All right. Hello. How you doing, fella? I'm doing all right. How are you? How's the how's the weather in Texaco going? Oh, it's pretty warm. It's warmer than I'm used to. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it was almost a hundred <laughs> degrees here today. <laughs> So the last time we talked about making foam latex and the craft and materials involved in actually producing the foam. This time around, we figured it would be a good call uh, to look at the painting and the art finishing, which I think is often the far greater portion of the job. Oh, for sure. But, you know, there's a lot of how-to stuff out there on the interweb, but not a whole lot of what to do or why to do it that way. We wanted to dig a little deeper into the thinking and about the painting, and we have a very special guest today who really does do just that. We do. We're very lucky to get him, actually. It took a little while to wrangle. About I'm, freaking I'm time. <laughs> We've well, been I'm, trying for I'm, a while. Yeah, we were trying a while, but also just synchronizing, because I'm in Texas, you're in Colorado, and he's in well, California. Well, you never know where he's going to be, because he's been, <laughs> been traveling so much. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So the guest we have uh, on this episode is uh, Thomas Serpenant, who is very well, very, very experienced and very well known for his excellent paint jobs, which is why we figured he'd be a good guy to talk to about uh, painting, particularly foam latex, but actually just painting in general, because that's quite a, a specific thing to worry about. There's a lot of things that, you know, just although it's painting foam latex. And just, in, it's, in, it's just in talking with him, I learned so much about his background that I didn't know before, and it just now how he does and why he does what he does, the way he does it just makes so much more sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was fun. I mean, even just, you know, editing down and stuff, there was a little bits here and there I, I snipped out, but it was just, it was just really interesting listening to it again. So I, I have every confidence it'd be a very, very good episode. This one. Oh, it was amazing. It was good fun. And it was just like an hour and a half or an hour and 50 minutes. I think it went by and we were like, Oh my gosh, it's Bam. just like chatting away. It was rare. And here it is. <laughs> Can it be? Hello. Yes. Hello. Hello, mate. Hey, how you doing? Seems like Hopefully I haven't talked to you in forever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right, Todd? <laughs> uh, yeah, guess what I'm doing? For... What are you doing? <laughs> tying, tying a werewolf wig. Is it working out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's very <laughs> mechanical. I mean, there's an art to it, of course, but then most I think hair tying is, is more mechanical than animatronics. <laughs> it's just... It's factory work. I, you know, it's funny because a lot of people hate tying hair, but you know they'll sit there and punch hair, and I loathe punching hair. Um, and and I, I think a lot of it has to do with the caulking and stuff. I'm not a fan of the the smell of that. It gets kind of gets to me. Yeah, I would love nice. to have the dexterity to to tie knots, but I don't think my hands work well enough anymore. You know, um, you could you could work up to it. I'm sure, like. Like the back part of the, the the wolf wig, you know, like doing doing something like this. I'm taking I'm taking quite a few hairs. I've got kind of a massive needle right now that that's you know hooking probably five or six hairs. And it's not as it's you know it's it's not like doing the like single angora you know fine lace and stuff. <laughs> so, but I I probably tear the tear the holes in the lace three out of five times i'm trying to pull it through <laughs> like like a fox trying to get into a bin bag i'm just, I'm just, I'm just a, a brute <laughs> i just use them like a 
like a gorilla on the putting green, you know. <laughs> oh God, uh, it, it's funny. Like I'm sure you guys get it too. You you get the 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 people who asks uh, they'll ask questions that they can find the answer to themselves, but it's easier to ask. Um, yes, mm, it's yeah. pretty. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you can message me on Facebook, but you can't Google it. <laughs> hey, let me Google that for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there will be a there there will be a nominal charge. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, there should be a little meter that starts ticking over. Like, right? Come on. <laughs> that's, that's an app somebody needs to develop. Yeah. Oh yes. If you're gonna if you're if you're going to take up my precious time with asinine questions. Um, you're going to be charged for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I hope the things we want to talk about with painting and foam are not too asinine for you. Um, oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, did you just hear somebody hang up on us? <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, yes. How how shall we proceed with the uh, the painting of foam? Thing. I mean, the thing is, there there's a fair amount out there, but I'm more interested in, I think, your approach to it because everyone I know. Tom has a pretty interesting approach to it too. Yeah, I bet. Well, because oh. I know you know th- th- there must be times where you know you're gonna you look at a paint job and you're gonna throw it. You must have like a system or a way because I've seen that. You know, sometimes people paint, like they paint it bright red first to get the blood in and they throw something over the top. Other people paint, you know, just a thick base on. Other people build up in loads of washes. And, um, right. I don't know. Is, am I coming in too early? Should we start from the beginning? <laughs> yeah. You, you, you mentioned something about your, your father being a painter or something. So my, my, uh, well, my, my, my grandfather, actually. Uh, my grandfather sorry. was, uh, and his father uh, were painters uh, originally from St. Louis. Um, in that area, um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, just to kind of like summarize it, um, and there's a place called the Fox Theater in in St. Louis. It's this big ornate theater, and it's still there. And it's you know um, old uh, American old, not English old. So it's it's like 150 years old or something like that. Anyway, um, my great grandfather got the contract to go in and do all the this painting and and decorating basically like um there's tons of gold leaf and and like you know faux marbling and and all sorts of stuff and so my my great grandfather um got got a son involved and um and you know gang of other people and and they went in and you know started doing that and it, it was a family trade and my grandfather uh used to tell stories about back then how they used to like <laughs> paint today sucks because there's no lead in it. And, <laughs> and, and he would say, you know, uh, he would go on about how <laughs> there is nothing there. You know, it's like, there's nothing wrong with lead and paint. You know, it's just, you know, we, we used it for, you know, years. You know, I, I used to reach in and, and, you know, with the, and, and, and grab it with my hands and put it in the paint bucket and mix it up. And I'm like, oh, God, that's why you're nuts. Anyway, and I I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, painting is in my blood. <clears throat> no, that's the lead. Anyway, <laughs> you know, painting was back then, you know, you mixed a lot of things. You actually, you know, had to kind of like, you know, become a, 
accidental chemist um and and you you worked with a lot of you know dry pigments and you would mix things in you know to like lacquer bases and whatever and so my grandfather um oh gosh i i really wish i i would have had him like like a tape recorder because he's gone now you know he's been gone for a while but uh um he he in his travels met jack warner and they got Mm -hmm. to be friends and he goes if you're ever in hollywood you know um uh, it's like, you know, I'll get you a job or whatever. Anyway, so um, he ended up uh, moving the family from St. Louis um, to to Los Angeles, Burbank, to be exact. And um, he was painting on the outside, just like painting, you know, house painting and things. And back then, Burbank was basically, there were still farms. You know, it's like either your family, you know, had like, you know, a, a, a chicken farm or some, you know, thing like that in the valley or you know, grew vegetables or, you know, um, commuted to LA, which was really like downtown, which was kind of rare, or you worked in the studios and most people worked in the studios and everybody knew everybody. And, and, and it was interesting. So my grandfather, um, it, it got slow, you know, and he had a family to take care of and stuff and no benefits, you know, being independent like that. And he, he actually got in contact with Jack Warner and he's like, yeah, Ed, come on over. And, you know, so my grandfather worked at Warner brothers and would get hired out uh, because the old studio days, like when you worked for a studio, you worked for that studio and he would get hired out to like, you know, universal or Fox or whoever else, you know? And, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, he, he did quite a, Oh gosh. I, once again, I wish he would have kept track of his career because um, he worked on some amazing stuff and had some great stories. Um, but one of the so things he worked as a painter through all this is, yes, she is yes. painting sets and, and backdrops and right. And, and like props and everything, because back then you had to do that. Like, um, I, oh gosh, I think it was, um, uh, oh, the gold diggers or something like that. The, uh, back, backup dancers for, um, um, Dean Martin. And, um, there, there was something, um, where he got, pulled in to like actually body paint uh, because they were, they, it was like an, they, they used paint guns. So they had their makeup artist um, with the painters because of the union system. And several times painters had to be brought in um, to do, you know, like the, the body makeup and stuff like that because they would use big, you know, like uh, paint guns that you would spray a wall with. And, and um, so, yeah, I, I remember, just this odd story he told me about a bunch of like, you know, um, topless women that he had to like, you know, spray gold. And, and one many, many years later, him, I know many, many years later at a family. There wasn't lead in this paint, presumably. (laughs) No, no, no lead. Uh, (laughs) just, just, you know, some gold, but, um, I, it was like an Easter dinner or something like that. And, you know, we were talking about something and, and I brought up about, the story about you know spraying the naked women and he's looking i out of the corner of my eye i see him and he's looking at me like shut up shut up my grandmother never knew and my grandmother got this face and looked over at him like i hate you so much right now it was it was hilarious it was one of those moments that you wish once again you could capture on video or something but uh yeah he had some explaining to do but um um so i grew up with that and you know i loved i loved putting together models and stuff so my grandfather was really good at like showing me how to paint and and like a lot of techniques like you know making things look old like i remember getting my millennium falcon model kit uh, when when it was first released and and he's like okay you know uh, 
I showed him the picture. He goes, well, yeah, this is all banged up and stuff. And this is how we make the paint look like it's peeling off. And, you know, this is how we're doing rust and all this different stuff. And so I, I really got a love for painting and, and um, it was, you know, all the different stuff. And, you know, he, it looked like a laboratory because he did, he would have like old mayonnaise jars with like, like raw sienna and burnt umber pigment, like just pure pigment. And, um, and, and so all this stuff was sitting around and, <laughs> and also we had a lot of stuff from the studios too. Um, like that's just one of the things working on film, you end up bringing home stuff. Um, but, um, you know, are there any, uh, particular techniques that you learned from him that you have incorporated into your makeup painting now? Um, yeah, actually, um, I, I, well, my product that I uh, make, uh, the, my prosthetic paint, I don't like to call it PAX because it really isn't PAX. It's, it's, you know, my, my, my version of, of PAX. And that's a nice little side story about Dick Smith and I talking about that, you know, uh, many years ago, but anyway, um, when I came about that, this helped learning how to mix like pigment into lacquer and things that kind of was the thing that, you know, started the whole mixing cosmetic pigment and, and finding cosmetic dyes and things and, and solutions and mixing them in, you know, with adhesive and then, you know, matting agents and all these different things. So it gave me a really good, you know, like start. Um, some of the stuff, uh, too, like the last few things that I'm at, the statue things, like the, uh, Talos from, uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Right. That I, did oh, I love that. Last year. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of credit to my granddad because, you know, he taught me how to make things look old and metal and things like that. I was always fascinated with metal, like, because my granddad worked on some science fiction film stuff and, and, um, you know, like, uh, TH, uh, 1168 um, and, uh, or 38, what is it? TH 1138. Um, whatever. Sorry. Anyway, I worked, yeah, worked on that. And he worked on, um, uh, like, uh, Gil Gerard's Buck Rogers, um, uh, Buck Rogers of the 21st century. I think the full title was, uh, Battlestar Galactica. And like, you know, the, the big massive spaceships, like the, you know, the, the full mock-ups, you know, that actors could get in and out. You know, he was, he was doing that in the Cylon costumes and all this stuff. And, and, and another film that he did was called Camelot mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and all the armor, you know, and, and, you know, when you're a little kid, you ask silly questions that, you know, that, well, they seem silly to adults. And, you know, it's like, you know, oh, that armor must have been really heavy and this and that. It's like, no, it was leather. And I'm like, really? Then how did you get it to make, you know, how did you make it look like metal? And, and so that, you know, and, and to this day, actually, the secret to the formula that he had for the making leather look like metal <laughs> uh, it died with him. He would not tell anyone. That was his wow. thing. Hmm. So it probably it probably had a lot of lead and mercury in it, or something. <laughs> <laughs> All the actors mysteriously uh, died, like a few weeks later. You know, strangely enough, I think most of them did die from cancer. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not liable. Uh, gosh, okay. Um, but anyway, no. Um, but so metal was a big thing, and and so like doing Talos and then doing the bronze um, Atlas. Uh, for New York, you know, it was just, uh, I really love that. And, and also having a model like Patrick, you know, he's this, he's built like a statue and, and just not as tall. And, and uh, uh, it was kind of perfect, just very minimal appliances and then paint. And, and uh, um, yeah, there's, there's certain things like on Star Trek that it really helped me with because we would have aliens that had bumps and scales and all sorts of you know things going on 
texture wise like are know, there brushes is. that you use yeah. more than others um well yeah and and um also like tweaking your brushes you know like like going in and cutting bits and stuff my, my grandfather used to get these brushes and 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 you know slice into them with you know very sharp scissors or a razor and, and i'm like what the hell is this brush for? You know, it's all dog-eared and weird and just nasty looking, right? And 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 he'd look at me like I'm an idiot. And and then he would like make a wash of paint and he would just gently take it and and like like stroke it on a piece of cardboard, you know, and, and it looked like wood grain. And I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome, you know? And so, you know, that that helped once again. And then, you know, I saw other people who I really respect, like Michael Smithson. I I I just adore him, you know, and and it was funny because he he did weird things with his brushes. And my buddy Billy Forsh, you know, he would like tape brushes or rubber band brushes together to make a big massive brush, you know, uh, just cover a large area. And so I found there was this kind of common thing with painters, and and we we wouldn't just get something and you know that said an eyeliner brush or powder brush or whatever we would take them and make them what you know to, to suit our needs and and um, and and thus my my line of brushes from delium uh, but anyway i i took my brushes in and 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 you know they were all chiseled up and cut and tweaked and and uh, weird looking and and i'm like okay these are effects brushes how could we make them and how can we make them so they don't fall apart and how can we make them vegan you know you know what kind of you know, because synthetic fibers are getting so good and it's, it, you know, this brush needs to be firm, but also have, have like a softness to it. And anyway, so they, they, you know, they were able to accommodate and, and sort it all out. But, um, yeah, like, like the rub, you know, like rub out, you know, like, I don't know if you're familiar, uh, familiar with that term, getting back to like the, the painting of weird skin textures. Um, I would do like, um, let's say a, a brighter, than what I would want base of like, let's say green, and you had like bumpy lizard skin. Well, it would be a pain in the ass to go in and, and do all the little cracks, you know, with like a liner brush, and it would take forever. And so I would make up a wash of, you know, my prosthetic paint or whatever, and and then just kind of like take a soft brush and brush it all over everything, let it sit for a second, and then take a sponge or like, like a damp cloth and just kind of wipe it off so the high points are are green but then all the creases you know the dark color is settled into it um on x-men 3 we had this guy that you never see but he was called the um armadillo man and he had like armadillo scales and you know you know knowing that technique saved my butt and you can reverse it too because like you know if you need like white in in the little you know, cracks in between the, you know, plating of, of like a reptile scale, you can, you know, put in like an off white and like a cream color and let that settle and then hit the high points. And, you know, all those things really came in handy, you know, like, like learning, you know, how to get that depth. Um, and, and, you know, uh, it, having a painter in the family who, you know, did this his entire life and, and had to make things, cardboard look like rusted out pipe and you know like like flats uh, you know in the studios and you know like like the interior of a spaceship or you know big columns that had to look marble and 
like that. It, it just, you know, it, it, all the little techniques from cutting your brushes to, you know, the, the consistency of your paint as well, you know, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and like the spattering, like my granddad would do what we do. We're doing a face with a little airbrush and we're spattering, you know, imagine doing, you know, a 30 foot wall, you know, um, it, it's like, my grandfather would have to go in and spatter like giant areas, you know, with big paint guns and, and stuff. So it was basically taking what he did on a big scale and pulling it down, you know, and using cosmetics instead of, you know, lead, ba uh, lead based paint. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's the thing is it like when you've got large areas of, of nothing in particular, like when you're doing a face or something, you've got like eyes and nose and, you know, they tend to have concentrations of darkness or something interesting. When you get like a back or something, that's when it kind of tests you because you have these large expanses where not much happens really. But at the same time, you don't want it to be one flat, smooth color because then it looks very masky. So, you know, right. if you can paint a whole you know, 30 foot square wall, then I guess even if you're doing marble or whatever, you have the same problem. You've got to try and introduce elements to make it interesting and break it up without it looking contrived. Exactly. You know, and... and you know, it's interesting because, um, oh gosh, with social media and especially like Facebook, where you have different um, artists kind of like posting pictures of, of animals and different things like, oh, it's a reference or this or that. And, you know, um, idiots at the gym, you know, who have bulging veins on their forehead posting pictures of that as vein reference. But uh, <laughs> I saw that show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no names, but anyway. Most people are like doing like double packs kind of shots where you, you got a shot of like a bulging vein on your forehead. <laughs> uh, oh gosh. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to that post. Did you, did you see that, Stuart? I did. I did. That's uh, a brilliant reference. Okay. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And this is me in an ambulance being rushed to hospital. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um, um, but, uh, yeah. It's it's interesting to see how many people you know will will you know post stuff. Um, you know, uh, Sandy Calora did that uh, series of books. I've only got the first one, but um, it 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 um is, um like a, a section of like reptile and and fish references and stuff like that. Um, uh, I love books. I I love the tactile fill of books. I know you can research anything online, and sometimes in a pinch I do that. Um. But um, I have collected books my entire life. I have most of the books that I've collected since childhood. And, you know, any books on dinosaurs, any books on, like, plants, uh, coral reefs, uh, reptiles. In fact, before makeup um, or doing anything film-related, I, I wanted to be a herpetologist and deal with, like, reptiles and, like, be a scientist and, and everything. That was one of my career choices. And... Um, uh, it's, you know, and I, I often joke, it's a joke. It's, it's very similar because both, both professions you're dealing with snake, but, um, <laughs> anyway, um, are there um, any exercises, um, painting, painting practice that you would suggest somebody who's not really adept yet at doing, doing this kind of work yet would, um, help get them to a, to a higher level faster? There, oh gosh, there are some books out there um, that are really good. Uh, they're like one-on-one books on like, um, they're, I think they, they're called like, 
101. It's a series of books, like, you know, painting for dummies. And, and it re- they're really nice. And they, they're not, they don't talk down to you or anything. But some of the things that I find really helpful is, once again, consistencies, different consistencies of paint. Um, there are some people who, who just do oil painting. And they're they're rubbish at at watercolor. It's it's you know, and then vice versa. You have people who are used to like throwing on big heavy globs of paint. But um, there's um, like I said, the series of books um, out there. But you can find you know uh, relatively inexpensive books on watercolor. Um, I think that's really important. And and um, um, different exercises that I would say is. Um, getting you know getting like um a life cast and and you know trying to make it look like skin by doing layers and washes um and and you know just using acrylic paint and and like watercolor um on like a stone life cast like a, a plaster life cast of someone um just to kind of get a, a skin like feel um uh working with varnishes to, uh, so you can get like transparent layers um and and mixing your mediums, you know, not not just paint brushes, but paint brushes and sponges, and paintbrush sponge and airbrush, um, and uh, you know, if you're doing layering to to do like a fleshy look, um, go in and airbrush your veins, and then do you know a wash of paint over it, and then maybe some spattering, you know, to get like you know the variations of color. So you're working with different mediums to try to achieve a look. Um, uh, I, I also, I, when I taught, um, uh, in classroom, one of the things I also attribute, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, uh, to my painting is model kits. And it's sad because a lot of model kits are snapped together and they're pre-painted and I'm like, what's the bloody point? You know, it's, yeah. it's like seriously, right. you know, <laughs> you're, you're taking all the creativity, you know, and, and, um. Yeah, and it's it's weird because I've ha- you know I've I've taught in different places. I taught in New York, you know, on and off, you know, for years. And and I've mentioned that, and, and a couple of people are like, "Well, you're from California. You have space to do that. We, you have to remember we're in New York. We don't have a, you know, garage to like go and paint, you know, model kits and do you know put things together." And I'm like, oh, "You can make space. Just you know, you don't need, you know, 500 square feet to put together, you know, a small X-wing fighter." Or, you know, Model T or whatever. But, um, you know, putting together models have been, you know, like a, a really cool thing. Also, the uh, garage kits that you can get, you know, like the resin kits. And, and, and a, lot of, a lot of those are kind of bootleg. But, you know, it's like you can find uh, really cool, like, mole men and classic, you know, universal um, horror film monsters and i always like kit bashing oh yeah yeah putting you know taking bits and pieces and putting putting you know making your own ships and things yeah yeah and and i think that you know when you're working on a small scale like that you know it just um i i ended up getting some fine mold kits um from from japan and um like x-wing fighter uh i've got a tie fighter tie interceptor i haven't put together yet a jedi Starfighter, which it pain in the ass, like masking that, to, you know, to airbrush it. And, oh, you know, once again, you know, finding out, you know, like what kind of paint to use too, because if you use just regular like testers paint or whatever, it, it can take away any of the fine details. So, you know, I like to 
kind of like go all over the place with the painting. And the more you paint, the better you become. And and just don't stick with one thing or one scale. Um, doing small model kits is great. Doing like a life cast is is really good. Um, getting a canvas and and just painting a canvas to look like reptile skin or something, doing a whole canvas of scales and all the variations of, of like a reptile's pattern or something, um, hair, you know, doing, doing furry animal pelt type thing, like, you know, just get a canvas and do brush strokes and then go back in and do the variation of color. Because if you look at animal uh, fur, you know, it will be pale um, by the root and then it will go like to you know a, a darker tone and then end with like a different tone you know and and you know the more the more you you work with color and and you know i think those are those would be you know great exercises and and um you know and i, I gotta be honest it wasn't just model kits but because my grandfather painted um, I, I ended up as a kid painting. I, <laughs> I had to like, you know, help paint houses and like, you know, a cousin would call and it's like, you're coming with me. We're going to so-and-so's place. And so I would start, you know, doing like the bulk of the wall. And then finally I graduated to doing the fine trim and, and, and everything, but it's getting your hand familiar with holding the brush. I, I did a, a two-dimensional zombie makeup. The only appliance was uh, some eyebrow blenders and a set of dentures that I made and some contact lenses. But for the most part, it was a two-dimensional makeup. I did it. Uh, Dana and I had me at um, his booth at IMATS many years ago. And I did this two-dimensional makeup and using his products. And he's like, wow, that's I've never seen anyone hold a brush like that. And I'm like, okay, am I doing it wrong? He goes, no, it's working great, but I've never seen anyone paint like that. And I'm like, and it, it made me kind of self-conscious, like, because I get my own head when I'm doing this and, and, uh, but, you know, don't be afraid to get to know your brush and, and, and just, yeah, you know, I, if you watch, watch me close a lot of times, it, I, I, I had to put a name to it and I call it stuttering um, because I, I'll start with the brush going straight in and then I, I lie it down on its side and then I kind of roll it and flip it so it looks like it's stuttering across the face and that gives me a really nice kind of effect it, it, i i can't even really describe it but it's just no but i i've yeah, seen you take some of the bigger ones and squash it right in and almost a scrubbing motion right yeah and and yeah, you know there's just all sorts of weird little like flippity floppity moves that i do with a brush and it, it it's it's just it's just years of painting and I'm comfortable and it, I know where it's going to go. Um, I've seen people, you know, doing live demos, like, especially at like IMATS and shows like that, where I, I start, you know, gluing and everyone gets that. It's pretty basic. You're gluing a prosthetic down, you're blending the edge, you know, be it a Bondo transfer, a, you know, silicone piece or foam. I, you know, that's, you know, that's basic. You get that down, you blend it and you make it pretty. Then you go in with, paint and a lot of times you know they'll start off looking just horrific <laughs> you know because it's it's a it's a whole process you know you you know you it's it's not like a beauty makeup where when you're putting a foundation on it pretty much you go, oh okay oh yeah i get that that's a foundation oh you're going in with a highlight it's it's more of a step-by-step step. where when i paint it's more of a feeling boy that sounded artsy didn't it <laughs> 
But I know what you mean. I think what you're describing is you're, you're familiar with the with the with the techniques and the methods above and beyond what is required for the makeup. It's kind of like you know if you if you pick up. Say you work in a supermarket or something, you pick up like a big, you know, big bag of sugar or something. That's not the heaviest thing you can lift. You know what I mean? If you go to the gym regularly and you pick up much heavier weights, it's so easy to pick up a big bag of sugar because right. it, 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 it's not nearly close to what you're capable of doing. And I think it's the same with, with uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people, I think, especially if they go to makeup schools, not all of them, but they kind of have a, they learn to test kind of, you know, they learn for the test kind of attitude rather than being given a kind of a an inspired and, and, and kind of voracious appetite to keep creating stuff so that when it comes to doing a makeup, you know, the amount of work that's involved in that is, is not as much as they're capable of doing. They've kind of flexed their muscles elsewhere by doing other things and, and kind of getting out of their comfort zone rather than just saying, you know, the only painting they've done is a nose. So therefore to be presented with the back is terrifying. Whereas had you painted a canvas, that was like 30 inches square. Do you know what I mean? You, you, right. you get to feel what it's like to move that brush in big strokes and, you kind of make your mistakes in other places, and then uh, you know it, it. It just means means you're 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 fitter for the task, really. Right. It's it's a really interesting point that you brought up there with the schools because um, I have a few few good. And not all of them. It does depend on the tutors, obviously. But I well, mean, well, well, it's, it's easier it's, to to get a lot of schools filled up if you have like a process which is A B C equals result, and then right. that becomes an expandable method. And it's like, but that's not what makes you really well, good at anything. <laughs> You know, the, um, a couple friends are going to schools, and, and the schools are really good, but it's not so much the teaching as much as the students. And so many students are going in, and like you were saying, learning for the test, and, and they're not going home and practicing. I just remember when I was a teenager, um, oh, gosh, um, I, I, I really, you know, I had friends, but I didn't have a lot of friends. And, you know, I, I just, I basically set up shop. You know, in in the garage, my grandfather's, and 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 you know, would, I was teaching myself how to you know do things. I taught myself how to like you know make molds just by watching like an uncle of mine who actually was a mold maker, um, and and um, you know, and watching like Chris Mueller sculpt and watching you know different people you know and seeing like in result uh, things in Fangoria magazine or whatever. And so, um, you know, so I I ended up kind of like you know just spending a lot of time doing that instead of going out and being a teenager and and um yeah, i was i don't know i was just kind of like focused on that and and i'm finding a lot of students now that this one friend of mine very focused um every waking moment is 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 focusing on this as a career and an art form and you know it, it's discouraging when he goes into you know class and like you know you have hungover students like on a basis you know talking about what a weekend they had or whatever and they're not practicing and then they're you know fumbling around and you know and i think that with you know kids coming into it now um there needs to be more of a focus on it instead of just talking about oh i love makeup and this and that blah 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 do something you know and you don't need a person you don't need a live person you can get you know, a, a mannequin head, a doll head, a life cast, you know, anything, a model kit. <clears throat> um, and, and, you know, just paint, do something, be creative, you know, work with material, you know, and, and you know, um, uh, also seek out really good knowledge. Um, I, you know, there's, there's some uh, great books out there. Um, <laughs> Todd. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. You know, and, and you know, 
you know, as opposed to, you know, like some of these scary people on YouTube doing things with, with um, things that uh, they shouldn't be using, you know, and, and, you know, people will throw this at me too, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, and, and it, it just, yeah, there's certain things that we do professionally that, you know, are sometimes a bit odd, but it, it, you know, there's, just certain things that you just shouldn't use, you know, to, to, you know, do makeup or, you know, learn how to do makeup. You shouldn't take house paint and use that. Um, you know, there's just all sorts of, you know, horrible horror stories that I've a heard. A lot of common uh, sense things too, that you would think people would, would steer, shy away from, from a common sense standpoint. And yet there are YouTube videos showing them doing exactly the opposite of, of that. Yeah, endangering yeah. people's lives <laughs> well th- that's interesting because i think the thing is there's a, the 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 thing that people are working towards like back in the day like you say when you were you know <clears throat> working for a studio or something you got hired out you were you were hired i guess on the strength of your abilities and you had to know it from the ground up and everything so you know it was, it was a real skill that you had to have and i think a lot of people are seeing things and they're aware of what what painters do or what makes it or they they believe they think though so that they'll sort of get together the minimal amount of skills they can get in order to just have stuff on social media and that then becomes the main focus of their efforts rather than actually being really good at something do you know what i mean you'll often see huge huge numbers of of people like following people who are doing average work but it's because of how they look how they dress or how outrageous they're being that they're picking up a a huge following and that's not like a kind of like a i'm putting them down i'm just saying but actually when you draw that and i know because i get emails from them asking me very very basic things well they get a false (laughs) sense of accomplishment too because they're they're getting all these accolades from people who really aren't in a position to judge the quality of the work and they're getting a false sense of of accomplishment from from all these people that don't really know so it's it's, it's right. kind of a tricky I, one i think right and and you know um i mean ultimately you know working in in film and and you know any any uh of like the performing arts and things like you know like theater television whatever you know it is a business on top of it and, and I, I, you know, sadly, you know, I find that, you know, once again, if you have skills, you know, just standard skills, a lot of times, you know, uh, it's, it, I'm, I'm finding more and more, you know, with like productions, as long as, you know, you can get the job done. It's not about the artistic, you know, um, uh, end, um, except, you know, but then there are people who are extremely talented artists who, you know, producers and directors are like we have to get that person like you know just thinking back about like Giger and stuff like that and like the you know like him designing something so iconic that is everyone has taken bits of and and you know have done copies and versions of his work you know and and integrated his style into their work and <clears throat> I find that you know um we we as a community of artists need to be artists again. Um, I mean, there should be more, you know, uh, emphasis on, you know, 
being extraordinarily talented and and like working on, on your talent and and like saying you know I, I would love for us to like be revolutionary like you know like like you know the uh, early surrealists and Dadaists and stuff you know going to the cabaret Voltaire and getting in fights over cubism versus you know uh, Dadaism and stuff like that and and being passionate. <laughs> you used the um, wrong shade of blue. Yes, you know it's like you know and and the thing about art is that bit of insanity and and um, you know just banding together and saying, you know, it's like, we're more than just technicians, you know, you know, this is, you know, we're visionaries. We're the ones who are going to, you know, put the look to something. We're the ones, you know, creating a character. That's, that's the interesting thing about some actors that I've worked with there. You know, I, I've always wanted to work with Gary Ullman because he is, he is one, I've heard nothing but amazing stories about how respectful he is to the makeup and hair people. It just, I, you know, it's wonderful to get an actor like that who will go that extra mile. Um, I had to, I had to break Brad Pitt's nose in one of his early films, and you know, we we were talking about the different ways we could go about, you know, doing his prosthetic. And I was, I mean, it was great to have the free reign back then without like twenty million, you know, suits coming in and saying, well, you know, we think it should be this way and this way. And well, no, we're, you know, we're from the franchise, you know. Um, uh, advisor committee, whatever, you know, and it's like, there's a certain look for this. And then, you know, this person and that person and studio people come in and, and it all turns into a mess of, of, uh, you know, fast food. But, um, so Brad and I were sitting there talking about his nose and how, how it should be done. I, and I said, well, there is another way of doing it. And, and I was mentioning like a technique that Dick Smith, you know, I learned from him was using like lace, like foundation lace and gluing it to the nose and actually like tweaking the nose. And, you know, like we were talking about like using like the rubber nipple and cutting that and putting it in the nose. So we we're like actually physically distorting the nose. So it didn't look like a big, ridiculous appliance. And uh, um, so I, I ended up taking a life cast of Brad with, his nose in this weird position, you know, glued down with some, you know, lace holding it to the side. And I built the prosthetic on top of that cast. And so every day that that nose went down, I had a, a you know, glue a piece of lace to his nose and pull his nose down. Um, it, it was only supposed to work like a couple of days. It ended up being about two weeks. And at the end of that, his nose was a little disjointed. And he's like, look at my nose. And I'm like, oh, no. But he was great about it. He was like, yeah, let's really, you know, F this up, you know. And I'm like, all right, you know. And It, it went it's, back. It's, it's it, didn't, it didn't go, you know, like. Uh... Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just <laughs> like, like Sergeant Bones in like... platoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it just from like you know, <laughs> having it tweaked in that position, I guess it would be like sleeping face down on a couch for a couple of yeah. weeks. I've got to do it the other way now, the next two weeks to count your balance. So we're halfway through, and this is just a reminder for you guys to please keep the reviews coming in. They really, really help us out a bunch. And we just had another great review recently on iTunes, and this one's from Nat Reynolds. Love these guys. Five stars. 
Two guys who know and love what they do. Lots of insight and fun to be had. Great for people starting out and hearing some familiar voices of people you don't get to hear too often. There's always something fantastic to learn from giving the podcast a listen and getting Thomas on for painting would be a fantastic chat to hear. Keep them coming, boys. <laughs> so, yeah, if you could please leave, re- leave a review on iTunes if you use it, or if you don't, just tell a friend about us. Um, if you have an effects buddy who hasn't heard of us yet, then please let them know because we'd appreciate it. And now we have some news. We are now available on iHeartRadio, too. So look us up there under Battles with Bits of Rubber. Or click on the link in the show notes or the blog post that Stuart's going to put together to accompany this episode. So you can listen to us there and leave comments. Please leave us comments. We really like them. Now back to the show. So um, um, any more phone painting stuff? Like, you know, like. Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the technique thing. I don't know what you think, Todd. I mean, I don't want to go too much into the, like you say, the basic stuff that they can get in the books. Because right. I think. That, that, that that's out there already and you'll have said that ad infinitum in terms of in terms of painting uh, foam you know what what works better than than something else uh well because um, you know foam essentially it's a it's a sponge so you've got to be real right. careful how much you're putting on but is there is there a particular type of paint that you think works better for foam than than others and i love your stuff and and you know my mine yeah in fact you know i there's quite a few people who really love my stuff. Um, uh, and, and I, I got to give a shout out to Howard Berger and everyone at KNB for being absolutely wonderful, you know, just turning out amazing work and, and never actually working. You know, I've never worked at KNB, but like Howard puts in orders for my paint. It was used on the line, the witch in the wardrobe, you know, uh, Prince Caspian and, just everything that they do that needs, you know, foam painted, they're bringing in my stuff, you know, and, and right there, that was like, you know, a huge deal. Rick Baker um, heard of my stuff from some people who are working, you know, at, at, you know, his place years ago. um, And he had me come by and, and um, I, I remember selling my first prosthetic paint, which I call my stuff prosthetic paint um, to Rick. And, I thought I was going to web myself. I was like, this is Rick Baker giving me a tour of his shop and telling me how much he loved my stuff. And I was like, whoa, you know, this is the guy, you know, it's like he, you know, he was the gateway drug. <laughs> you know, it was like, I watched American <laughs> Werewolf and I was like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm going to do this. You know, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah. And, and, um, but yeah, I, I really love my stuff and, and I got to give a shout out to Todd McIntosh. Uh, when he first started Buffy the series, he contacted me. You know, we worked together in Star Trek and stuff, and and he was buying my paint and was using it and stuff. And you know, um, he 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 was telling me about the test makeups that they were doing. He goes, you know, we're having problems with the vampires looking like too pale, like white. They they're photographing like you know white paper. They're you know they're just. You know, they need to have, like, some more depth. And, you know, I was thinking he was going to buy a ton of, like, Elvira and, like, you know, pale, you know, light skin colors. And and basically they were all, like, regular colors with some lighter colors and, and like, the red around the eyes and stuff. But uh, um, he wanted a really good bloody color to base the foam with. And he, 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 he was describing what he wanted and, and I gave him a few tests. He decided which one he liked. And, and to this day it's available. It's called Vampire Slayer. And a lot of people use that to pre-paint like a bald cap or like their foam pieces. Um, and, and the theory behind this is really interesting. It, 
uh, foam is um, opaque and and um, um, to to photograph properly um, to get the right halitation it's 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 all about absorption light absorption and light ref, uh, ref, uh, reflection and and so um, you know that bloody base or that movie base um, really helps um, with the way light filters in and bounces back like on skin um pigment is uh, uh the reaction you know like our vision when we see color it's the reaction of the way light absorbs and reflects pigment and and that's just one added thing that helps um sell rubber as skin and and um yeah it's it's interesting because um i'm seeing a lot of people using um alcohol based material on foam and and it looks de- dead it looks really dry and and um it's because it's being absorbed into the foam mm-hmm. and you know and it's it's kind of the same thing you know once again the history of things uh when foam rubber was first introduced you know the people were using regular cosmetics that contain petroleum oils and and um uh, uh oils that would penetrate into the foam because it's porous and it would leave the pigment, you know, there. So you'd have like the vehicle, which is the oil and the pigment, um, you know, and, and once the vehicle absorbed into the oil, I mean, uh, the vehicle would absorb into the foam. You would just be left with the dry pigment on the foam and it looked dead. And, and it, you know, it took several people many years ago to realize we need to use something that's not going to penetrate into the foam and, and, and and they came up with castor oil and and it it stays on on the surface and you know keeps the pigment in a suspension and the same thing is that with, the the tuttle stuff i remember tuttle was was that one of well, the first ones to do that or was it a max factor thing well that? actually you know i don't want to miscredit anybody but we're talking this was like before bill was actually like working in the industry if i'm not mistaken this was like um, I think probably like early, early thirties. Um, and, and I'm thinking Max Factor had, had something to do with it because Max Factor years ago used to do a rubber mask grease paint and it was, it was gooey and it would go rancid. And, and, um, I think I might actually have a little tub of it somewhere. Um, but, um, uh, it, it was basically pigment in, in castor oil. And, and, uh, I don't even think there was any castor wax or any, any like proper solids, you know, like that. Um, well, I've used a castor yeah. sealer on, on foam, uh, um, cause it helps creams, uh, go on foam so that the foam takes the, takes the pigment the same way skin does. So it, it, it matches and blends much, much easier. Right. And, and, you know, this is a thing, a lot of people, you know, um, I, you know, with with technology and with things, you know, I'm I'm finding sadly um, a lot of people skip over, you know, all the techniques of painting foam and and you know there's it's it's fun, you know, it's like it, it it's it's rushing through, it's not not enjoying where you are at the moment. I I've, it's like a lot of people love silicone because you can just like flick some color and call it a day and look look at this great makeup I've done. Um, and I know production loves things that are quick and whatever, but I think everyone should, you know, take and, and get some foam pieces and, and, and 
you know, start learning how to paint foam again properly. And, and, you know, when I was growing up, the first latex pieces that I made, you know, the paint jobs were horrible on them. I mean, just, and, and, and it took talking to Bill Tuttle and it talked, talking to different people, you know, um, uh, Marvin Westmore and, and Mike Westmore and all the different people who, who were around, you know, back in the day, uh, when I was growing up and, and then saying, Oh, well use this and try this and buy this and whatever. And so, you know, um, it, it, I think it's, it's helped the progression of, of like, you know, being able to go in at like three thirty in the morning, you know, half awake, glue something on somebody and paint it. And it looks great. You know, it's, it's, it's starting with the basics and moving up. Um, and, and this is something that people can do on their own time. You know, once again, you don't need a live body. You could get a foam piece, glue it to a dummy head and, and, you know, paint it and, and, um, you know, experiment. And like I said earlier, it's about like textures, viscosities, um, um, and, and consistencies of your makeup that you're using. Um, lately I've been getting back to using washes of rubber mask grease and, and I love RCMA and, um, the shelf life on RCMA's uh, appliance foundation is incredible and the colors are rich and beautiful and it's so concentrate and you can either use alcohol or castor oil uh, to, you know, thin it down and, <clears throat> or a combination of, you know, IPA and castor oil um, to thin it down, but it gives a nice fleshy, like you were saying, you know, uh, Todd, you know, like with the castor sealer, it gives that fleshy look yeah. and, and, <clears throat> And it just, you know, there's so much you can do with that. Um, do you ever use 244? Um, yeah, um, not for a while. I, you know, I, I, I love 244 because it's like the miracle fluid. You could use it for anything. Um, uh, but it, it just, yeah, um, that I, I love the the feel of it, and and it's just, it, it evaporates eventually, which is nice, you know. And and it doesn't, you know, you you don't need to like slam it with a crap load of powder. Um, another thing that I've used that, um, raised a few eyebrows, which is, is, <laughs> is one of those weird things. But like when I was on Star Trek, we would have, um, these heads that we would reuse. They were big, elaborately painted, big mon- alien heads. And, um, and it was interesting to see like people around who were hired, who didn't do a lot of prosthetic work. And, you know, you would, they would just blend around the eyes and around the mouth. And uh, sometimes you would have like a secondary piece to blend off the bad edge or something like a blender piece. And so you'd have these elaborately painted heads that like, you know, Mike Smithson, myself and like Michael Key. And, you know, we'd sit up, you know, doing all this prep work, you know, for the, the days and weeks to come. And um, they they would be beautiful. Like, you know, some of the paint jobs would take like a day to do and they were intricate and layered. And then you'd get like some technician who would come in, glue it down half ass and then just put like, you know, brown around the eyes. And you're like, oh, God. And then they they would like maybe like take brown rubber mask grease and like just spread it out over this paint job that you spent a day doing. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, boy, do you not have the eyes of an artist? What the hell are you doing? Well, one of the things that I would do is I would go in and I would do my little, you know, whatever taxi bits and stuff. But um, I, w- I would go in and do like little washes and st- stippling with aqua color from, you know, Cryolon. 
And people are looking at me going, you can't put aqua color on foam. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what do you think I've been doing here for the last, you know? Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can get a lot I, of range I, with aqua color. It's surprising. It's sure. quite a bit on silicon as well, actually. Yeah. And, and you know, um, uh, gosh, um, I, did, I did a makeup recently and I, it's all a big blur now. Uh, <laughs> I'll remember this better, you know, years from now. Um, I did a makeup recently. Um, oh, gosh. Um, uh, the bog man, the bog man in England. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, once I got like a lot of the colors, I went in with aqua color, you know, to try to get that weird skin color that those the bog bodies have. And and it was perfect. Um, a lot uh, like doing a zombie makeup. One of the things. One, OK, this is my top secret thing that isn't really that secret. There's a color called 522 in aqua color. I think everybody needs that color even if you don't do monsters i can't it's a great I, color. I cannot it's find I've, color. i have a couple of them and i covet it because i can't find it anywhere oh um uh you're friends with dominic right Langa. dominic uh dominic uh, uh the owner of krylon yeah krylon. Dominic uh, i contacted him and i you know said will you be at london he's like yeah i'm like i need to get some 522 and he had like two of them for me um, so yeah, uh, it's like, it's still made. They're still making it. I'm like, please don't ever stop making it. And, um, now Joe, um, uh, at San Francisco Krylon, um, he, he, uh, told me the story behind 522. Uh, do you know the, the story behind it? No. There was a, uh, a black Broadway actor, um, or I, he was actually in opera or something. Anyway, he's like this really well-known performer. I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't remember his name and, you know, anyway, not kind of like my, my area of expertise, but they needed a highlight for him. And I'm like, that's a highlight. And, and then I'm like, oh, for theater and stage. Yeah. Because of the lights anyway, but I've used 522 since I was a teenager, like, you know, for like a death look, you know, and, yeah. and like, you know, grabbing it and going, this is a perfect, like waxy pallor color. It, and it's, it looks really like dead skin and um I, I i have some like mortuary background um and and that that color is pretty damn close to you know like what a lot of people look like when they're dead and you know that that's that, that's that's where i got introduced you to you like anything oh okay um uh, uh doing uh uh, uh funereal makeup or, or or actually no actually doing doing um recreating. a cadaver makeup for a for a project for stars oh, oh okay yeah it's just it's it's a it's a really brilliant color and i'm you know i'll use like their fixer spray and <clears throat> seal it and and then you know um i've, I've uh, rubbed like ky jelly on top of it and it really you know it just looks like dead skin and um <laughs> and and so uh um that color there is really great when you're doing a zombie makeup because once again like i've done zombie makeups live in front of people i did one um at um uh the uh, uh birmingham uh city university uh a few few months ago and when i was there and and um i did a zombie makeup on on dean garner uh with some of his pieces and and i i had some eyebrow thin little eyebrow covers and i covered his eyebrows and and most of it was just paint and and i went in uh, with these big, bold, like, lividity bits and just, you know, punch that in really heavy. And then, you know, did some other little tweaks and bobs and things. And and then I went in with a wash of aqua color over um, all of it in the 522. And it gave that, like, layer of, you know, dead skin over, you know, pooled blood look. 
And and it was weird because at first everyone's looking going, this is stupid looking. <laughs> you know, Do you have just, pictures of that? It, um, yeah. Um, yeah uh, there's a couple on uh, Facebook. Yeah, right? good to see how that goes. But this is what we were saying about like because you're well-practiced in other areas where you're painting and you know about knocking things back by putting different washes over the top. That's how you think. So when it's a makeup thing, you're not. You're not just thinking about makeup, you're thinking about the final result, which is where I guess where you're going with your the feeling thing. You're looking at something and going, ah, it just needs to be knocked back slightly, but not blurred. So, you know, you put a wash or something over the top and there's that kind of painterly discipline mm-hmm. that, that goes above and beyond just the remit of makeup. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, it's it's one of those things of, of looking at other people's work. And, and not just being kind of like blown away by it, but wanting to know how it's done and dissecting it. And once you start doing stuff, you start realizing how to dissect other people's work really well. And, and it, you know, it, it's kind of like with anything that you do, like a language, you know, what makes a language work? You know, what makes music work? Like you, you can listen to something really incredible and go, I'm just blown away. It's a sensory overload. And, and I think sometimes when you look at a sculpture like Steve Wang, you look at his work and you're like, Jesus, really? How the hell? Where did you? <laughs> I no. know that feeling well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you start dissecting it and you're like, you know, it's, it's like, okay, so he probably went this way and he probably went that way. And it, the armature probably went like this. And it, you know, and then you're thinking, okay, what material was used for the armature and blah, 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 because the height, the weight and blah, 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 you know, it's, and, and it's weird because the more experience you get and the more you start doing hands-on stuff, the, the more you start, you know, to pick up on these things and dissect things, um, like the, the way a car works, you know, it's like, if you've done any sort of mechanic work, you know, you could, you could, if, if something happens, you're like, well, it's, it's the alternator or it's the, this or that, you know, and, and, um, but yeah, uh, it's all ball bearings. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you're still impressed by it all, but you, you, you get over it to the point where you can start analyzing it. Like you say, like, and, and, you know, the best book you've ever read is still just 26 letters arranged in a particular format. It doesn't make it any less a book and you enjoyed it the first time you read it, but it is possible to go back and then dissect it. Like you say, cause if, you're trying to get into the business of creating this kind of thing. You need to have the capacity to be able to break things down and, and simplify them so that you can kind of not codify it, but you, you can see the common things behind it and then work towards that yourself in your own way. Yeah, no, uh, your food analogy is a good one. I was I was just going to ask if, if you had any people you know, like I really admire Tom Flouts as a as a prosthetic painter. I think he does oh. astonishing work and, and incredible depth. Uh, I was just going to ask if, if there was anybody like Tom and yourself who people listening to this might um, Google and start dissecting their work. Right. Um, you know, Tom, Tom is amazing and I haven't seen him in years. Um, and you know what's great about him is. I, I'm sure he's one of those people who it, it's it's just second nature. He dissects things without even realizing realizing he's doing that. And and the way he approaches something to get the end result, you know, if if you sat there and kind of watched it, you'd be like rolling with it if, if you've never done this. But his end results, you know, you're just and it's effortless, you know. Um, and and it's it's really interesting because I've worked with so many. Of, of you know like my heroes and uh and everyone and his has work holds a... up on really really tight screen yeah um you know i i there was a movie 
And to this day, I think it's still one of the best prosthetic movies um, for anyone to ever watch. Uh, It's it's a movie called Death Becomes Her. And and my dear friend Kevin Haney designed that. And, oh, I mean, they were heartbreaking. I mean, I was looking at these makeups and they're so flawless. And and I just remember how hard he was on himself about like, "Eh, that was all right. I'm like, shut up. You know, but like I've seen like test makeups that it's it's interesting, like the behind the scenes stuff. Like Kevin did some stuff for um, Adam's family and uh, Death Becomes Her and all these test makeups. They did test after test till they got the finish, you know, okay from, you know, the suit saying this is what we want. This is what we want to go with. But like some of the test makeups for Hocus Pocus. Oh, my God. I'm like, how the hell did you do this? What did you use? And and Kevin had all these really odd, like out there kind of things. And once again, it was because he was a master of knowing what materials are available and how they could be used. Um, Michael Smithson, I, I mentioned him earlier. Mike is uh, one of the most amazing painters out there, and it's it's hardcore painting. I, I would I would consider Mike, you know, like his painting hardcore. It's like it's kind of like the rock and roll, you know, of of painting. Um, he goes in, and it's just boom. It's big and it's beautiful, and it holds up like in person, like some of like the the subtle appliances. But like it all is writing on a really good paint job, and 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 you know Mike Mike's just amazing. Gosh, um, Lance Anderson, damn good painter. Um, uh, gosh, um, um, you know just there's so many different people. Um, uh, Freddie Blau, I remember like when I, you know, first got to work with him. I, I I'd known him for a while, but like you know he's he's somebody else. Like his work you know um is is amazing and and uh uh the illustrated man and, and just oh gosh and I, I i i it didn't register on my my facebook feed oh okay um and let's see what um who else is there um uh gosh uh, there's just so many people who've got such an amazing eye for painting um oh god um uh, tim gore i i i, I would mm-hmm. he would uh, Right, I yeah. didn't mention that. <laughs> Jim Gorson, I mean, pretty much like you know, you could you could hand that guy like a can of Pepsi and say, make this look like flesh, you know, and, and the camera's going to come in really close, but it's like you know, we want it to look like you know, flesh, like it's a can of Pepsi made made of skin, and he could do it, and it's just like it, it's he he's he's like a really amazing painter and he he has his line of of um acrylics out you know the uh, the uh bloodline tim those gore's are bloodline quite good. i i yeah. use those yeah yeah i i mean the colors the colors are great because they you know they're created by an artist you know and and um um but yeah um yeah there's oh gosh there's just so many people and and you know there's i i I wish I could mention everyone who's, you know, been a help or hindrance in my career. Uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I just had, I just had a really sweet We'll save that for another, for uh, another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a sweet interaction with a, a makeup artist friend of mine um, who, who uh, wrote me a really beautiful private message about being an inspiration, you know, and, and, um, and it was a, like on a personal level and, and, you never know. You never know how, like, your actions, because you are in the public eye. <laughs> and, you, and and it was really nice getting positive feedback because you never know. You never know if, if anyone's out there. You know, there's sometimes where I'm like, hello, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> and i think we all have that moment where we're like yeah um <laughs> yeah, like, you're kind of working in like a vacuum, and the, you know, until things echo back, you don't know that there's a surface there to, yeah, well, well, to run towards. Well, we're all artists, you know. We we have have those emotional ups and downs, those moments of uh, thinking you're pretty good, and then those moments of self doubt. I just did a Facebook post yesterday where I relayed, you know, the the classic Martha Graham, uh, Agnes DeMille story about never being satisfied with your work. You know, I vacillate back and forth between thinking I should be a greeter at Walmart and thinking maybe I could actually make a go of this as a career. <laughs> make a very, you know, if you're going to be a greeter, I guess you try and be the most creative. Be the best greeter there could be. Exactly. <laughs> I saw one because we don't really have that in England and I was in Walmart. I'm, I'm in Texas at the moment. And, um, uh, we went to a Walmart and there was a, this this old guy who was ancient in a wheelchair and he was a greeter and it was just like it's this really odd thing it was quite cool but it was like I wasn't used to that I'm like, I, I'm English I don't want to speak to anyone you know, you know I don't want to be reminded that someone your age and of your seniority is, is happy to see me <laughs> even if you're paid to say so I just want to buy my stuff and go without having to interact with anyone I'll, I'll go to the checkout myself checkout counter so I don't have to do that and he's like oh no oh, that's not so bad and I go in there all cheery and Look at my, my basket's full up with shit I don't need. I'm like, oh, that's why he's there. <laughs> well, you know, can I help the big, fella? The big shock for Americans going to the UK is when you walk in and you are greeted by somebody, you or you are go to approach someone to speak to them, and they're like, "Are you all right?" <laughs> and it's like, oh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? You know, it's like it's kind of an odd language thing. Yes, but, it is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> several of my uh, uh, Yankee friends are like, dude, dude, what? Huh? What do I say? And I'm like, I don't know. Just all right. <laughs> That's usually what I do. So I'll just look at them like, all right. You know, anyway, no, there's a certain uh, sense of like, we're, we're just, we're sorry to be there. Whereas I think in the States, everyone's like very, like, they're very grounded and they're very, they're, they're very certain of themselves and like, good morning, sir. How are you? And it's like, you know, it's a definite state. Whereas in England, it's like, huh, you know, we'd rather not be there. We don't just feel, feel bad just existing and occupying space. And it kind of comes across, uh, even if it isn't actually how it is. That's how I feel anyway. Unless you're I'm sorry. Hear. I'm here. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm it's me that's having to deal with you. <laughs> Is it worth just a, 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 a just a quick? I mean, I, I realize we've kept you for over an hour now, so if you've got to get dashing, that's fine. I'm, but I just I'm, wanted to. I'm, I'm tying a wig right now, so this is breaking up the monotony of it. Good. I, I, I just I want to ask a, 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 a little bit more about um, about your brushes and your paints because uh, I've started using your paints, uh, your paints, your brushes a couple of years ago, and I'm aware of your paints, but I haven't used them a lot. But I just wonder if you want to chat a little bit about whether how they came about because you've been doing them a long time and obviously you, oh, you yeah. care about these things quite deeply so there, there's more to it than just like oh i know i'll go make some money it, it, oh, you know, it must be very hard to get these things out believe, yeah. I love <laughs> believe me it wasn't the, the paint situation oh i got laughed at everyone's like because oh, i can imagine God. these things I, I i appreciate how hard it is to get things to market this is not something well, you do likely so that's why i'm interested the first time the, the first show that i department headed was a, a, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of you uh brits get to see this on late night television for some reason it's played a lot there um and and uh it's it's a a little slasher movie called cheerleader camp and it also had another title called bloody <laughs> pom-poms leif garrett is <laughs> that's my middle name <laughs> <laughs> 
body pom poms. <laughs> anyway, yes, um, and and cheerleader camp, and and uh, it's 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 starring Betsy Russell and Leif Garrett, and uh, oh dear lord, no budget, nothing anywhere out out in the beautiful forest, Sequoia National Forest. Anyway, foam latex pieces, and um, our cheerleaders are, uh, um, um, oh gosh, um. Uh, I'm just trying to think of her name. Why can't I think of her name? Um, there was Krista Flancer, who was a pet of the year runner up from, from Penthouse magazine. Um, and, and it's, it's the eighties. Remember? Oh gosh. And, um, uh, this one, Terry Weigel, um, Terry Weigel was uh, with Playboy forever. And then she ended up doing like porn and things. And <laughs> anyway, yeah, she, she was on there and, and, um, it, it, you know, it, it, so we had like, like Playboy models and, and, you know, just a, a, a bunch of, you know, silicone, um, uh, <laughs> internal silicone, <laughs> God. And, and so, you know, I had these girls, you know, like the soft skin, you know, you know, nice skin. And just, I had to like slash them up and glue pieces to them. And I noticed like the Dick Smith packs formula, like I put it on and I like fan it out and, and it would start getting leathery and crinkly and, and like, like then just, you know, then every time I used it, it was a hit or miss thing. Like, and I, I thought maybe I'm mixing it wrong. I'm stupid. I don't know how to paint. I don't know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I'm like, every time I try to make it into a wash, I, I realized it, it wasn't washing as well as I wanted it to. And, and, you know, and this is all before like, you know, illustrator and, and like the real palettes and stuff. And, and, um, and so, um, it just wasn't a, a technique and, and like, like the rubber mask, you know, uh, stuff that, that was fine and everything, but I wanted to do some stuff, you know, that, that was more, you know, inclined to staying and not having to be touched up or whatever. So I wanted to kind of make a bulletproof makeup. So, um, uh, I started thinking about pigment once again, and like the ratio, like Dick Smith's formula basically is, is prosade adhesive, medical adhesive and acrylic paint, uh, Liquitex acrylic paint, um, 50, 50. And so when you think about it, um, you've got your acrylic paint. Well, your acrylic paint at best is 50, 50, 50% vehicle, 50%, um, pigment. And then... Um, you add 50% of your overall acrylic paint to another 50% of glue. Um, now, you, it, logically, that's just 25% of pigment. So it, it wasn't to get the coverage that I wanted and everything else. I, I found I was just doing layers of it. And, and so I, I wanted something that was, you know, highly pigmented. So I started researching things and back in the day before the internet, you know, calling and calling and, you know, talking to different people. And, and I was a kid, I was like maybe 20 or something like that. 18 or You're still 20, a kid. you know? Oh yeah. November, uh, 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 is, is the big five Oh, so, um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, um, I, I thought, you know, getting back to like my granddad and everything and about mixing pigment in and, and um, so I started researching, calling chemical companies, calling BASF and calling um, Union Carbide and calling, oh, gosh, just tons of different like pigment companies and and talking to people and physically going to some places and, and speaking to them. And, and I'm like, oh, OK, you know, this is all making sense. And then I'm like, OK, 
I, I got a bunch of samples and started playing with stuff. And, and long story short, I came up with my formula. And then um, over the years, it's changed and it's tweaked uh, accordingly. Um, I was using Prosate as my primary and um, um, tactifier. There we go. That's the nice technical term. Um, you know, about 1999, 2000, I switched uh, completely over to Betabond, uh, which does not contain latex. It's waterproof. Um, it, my favorite acrylic modified acrylic adhesive and I really like um, that glue, especially under eyes it's fantastic under eyes because oh, it doesn't crinkle up oh yeah and and the great thing too is it, it doesn't dry tacky you know like 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 prostate will sometimes be really sticky especially if there's moisture in the air and and heaven knows there's a bit of moisture in the air in the uk uh <laughs> and and i find that yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> you, you, you could use the no tack version of prosade yes which I, yeah. which is and, which actually you know, is, a good, wanna, is a good as a sealer yes yeah and and you know um i i know some people when that first came out you know they were like kind of finishing things off with that like doing washes with it and and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to sound like I'm slamming, you know, another company at all. I mean, you know, like the Dick Smith formula is great in using prostate, you know, and, and, you know, so anyway, uh, but I, when I found all these other materials and stuff and, and, um, things that make your glue stickier, there's, there's, um, certain additives that you can add, um, to, um, help with the molecular bond. It's, it's all about, um, polymetric bonding. Um, and, and like, you're getting like things to, you know, like polymerize and, and like it, it, the way they link together. And, and so when you go in on that scale, you know, there's, there's all these little things that kind of work, um, like chain link, like think of like, you know, or link, you know, the chain mail armor, you know, it's like, you know, there's ways of making it and then there's ways of making it more reinforced, you know, and, and different armies did better jobs of it, you know, and, and so it's just going in on that level and, and strengthening things. And so, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's a fun, it, it's been, it was, well, it was a fun pastime for me. And then I started doing it and started mixing it to match like RCMA and William Tuttle colors. And then it expanded, you know, years later to like Mac colors, like the original Mac before Estee Lauder bought them. And, you know, it was like when they were like the C1 and in color, you know, colors or something. I, anyway, but, um, and different people I work with are like, what are these? And, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's my version of PAX. And, you know, and I, I started letting people use it and a couple of people, you know, forgot to bring stuff to work or they needed a color that wasn't mixed. And, and, and they're like, wow, this is really cool. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and I, I talked to a couple of the beauty supplies back in the day and back in the day, there was only a couple of them. And, and, you know, I, I, I got laughed at. And then, um, um, I, I, I got told off basically. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but somebody said, you know, I, I, you know, this is, pointless you doing this because rick baker he's not going to buy your stuff you know uh he makes his own packs i'm like this isn't packs it's like yeah yeah but he won't care and then it was like you know gray can he makes his own <laughs> packs you know and it's like he's he's not going to buy from you and then you know th threw off like the top names and it was like wow all right so when i finally did get it on the market because people started requesting it and you know because i was selling it you know just you know, personally and making it in the shop and then selling it. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it caught on and people wanted it and people, you know, said, you know, vouched for me and said, you know, please have Tom stuff and, and begrudgingly, you know, they, they, they ended up <laughs> getting it. And oh, the sweet behold, taste of victory. Yeah. And lo and yeah, behold, yeah. Rick Baker calls me like he calls 
called, like, he he got my number and called me and said, hey, Tom. And I'm like, hello. And he's like, this is Rick Baker. And I'm like, ah, ah, yeah, right. You know, I was like, why are you calling me? You know, it's like, it was, it was just really out of the blue. And I was like, you know, I want to get your paint for this thing and blah, blah, blah. And then Kevin Haney was buying it and, you know, Greg Cannon was buying it. And I'm like, you know, it was quite the accomplishment and, and like, uh, yeah. So, you know, V Neil, I did a couple colors for her for um ai uh for this jude law piece that she was doing and do you know and that's once again, weird. i was going to ask about that i was going to ask about we were yeah, talking about like odd. like makeup stuff i was going to say the jude law thing from ai that jaw i didn't realize until i saw like a making of that he was wearing i didn't even notice it I thought it was brilliant oh yeah oh my god it's such a beautiful beautiful piece and what a sweet guy but you know there's something about most Brits. I would say at least 99.9% of the British actors that I've worked with are absolutely adorable. I mean, you know, just like wonderful, wonderful human beings who aren't, you know, head up in the clouds and thinking that, you know, with a wave of their hand, they can, you know, <laughs> uh, get crops to grow and, you know, <laughs> create worlds and stuff. I don't know. It's like, you know, the God syndrome. It, it just very grounded, very, you know, down to earth. But um, yeah, the, uh, Jude was great. And, you know, like, and, and for me, like, you know, to have someone I've looked up to, you know, in my career um, and, and still, you know, when V asked about coming in and checking out like Jude's skin color and, and everything and, uh, you know, and, and doing, doing a couple colors to make that work. Uh, it was just like, wow, you know, and then he was such a sweetheart, like, like it just, just a kind, wonderful man and, 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 uh, a, a tremendously talented actor, you know, and, uh, uh, but yeah. And then, you know, Todd, Todd, it was such an honor, you know, like the deeper scene blue, um, <laughs> for young Frankenstein, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always an honor. You know, I, I, uh, um, I, you know, once again, you know, as the years progressed, you know, different people started, you know, uh, asking for specialty colors. I was working with Peter Montagna on uh, the last season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and um, he showed me some uh, colors that uh, he he uh, um, got from Dick Smith, and and um, he, he he worked, you know, um, on and off with uh, Dick for years, and and um, Dick always used like certain colors that he had made and the, these were like bob kelly cream colors and uh um he uh he asked dick if he could take some and he scoops them in like little jars or whatever and and um I, what i'd like to do is actually you know get a sample again of those and and like make like a cream version because they're really beautiful character colors and so i put together a peter montagna kit and and it's six colors um, that were, you know, copies of colors that Dick had made. And we gave – they didn't have names. And I'm like, do they have names? He goes, I, I don't know. It's just, I just scooped this in and this is, you know. And and I'm like, okay, so let's name them. And so we, you know, as a tribute to New York, we came up with some uh, New York names and, and a couple inside New York jokes. But I'm not <laughs> going to tell you what those are. If you're a New Yorker, you you might catch them. But – you know, you probably will. Uh, it's <laughs> anyway, amazing, but it's the yeah, the Peter Montagna kit. Um, one color is really great. I I love this one. Uh, it's it's called Midtown Merlot, and it's a really beautiful, warm Merlot, purpley color. Uh, that's great. Um, doing age makeups, um, especially like on Caucasian skin and around the eye area, like for the little capillary 
you know, bits and things. And yeah, it's, it's lovely, but he was using those colors on spike, um, when he would be a vampire, um, and stuff. And, and, um, but yeah, it, it, it just, it was kind of an honor to do that. And, and, you know, when I told Peter, I named it the Peter Montagna candy, he was like, really? And I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, it's just, you know, it, it, it was an honor for you to share this with me and stuff. Yeah, like talk that. about and, a nice and, guy uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's, He's he's another one. He just goes in and does does stuff, you know. And and then you look at the end result, and you're like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, it's just you know, um, and and such a such an amazing career too. Like like some of the you know the training grounds uh, at Saturday Night Live. So, yeah, know, absolutely. That, that hardcore, you know. So uh, but um, you know, so over the years, that's that's kind of how like the pain progressed, and and um, you know, just diff- different jobs. Um, uh, my my friend um, uh, Bradley Greenwood and, and Kim Sainsbury early early on when I first started doing this um, all the way um, in the Gold Coast in Brisbane um, Australia uh, they they contacted me about my paint and I was like wow this is pretty awesome this was like e like ninety maybe nineteen ninety ninety one they were doing they were doing um time comp or something they were doing some show with you know, prosthetic work and you know. Australia's like here, you know, uh, with temperature, it's just, you can get horrific temperatures and, and, um, they were dealing with humidity and I, I just, it was right around the time I was doing California and we were shooting in Death Valley. It was, um, uh, Darwin mines, which is like, uh, the upper North West, I think area of, uh, Death Valley. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, it was like 128 degrees and, um, Fahrenheit and and so I, I I guess that's like you know um like fifty or sixty centigrade. I'm joking. It's <laughs> it was pretty it was, hot. Yeah, it was, like, it, was <laughs> yeah. it was forty five about forty five degrees centigrade or something like that. Anyway, so um uh and, and everyone's like, well at least it was dry. And I'm like, it wasn't dry. We it was monsoon season and and every afternoon without fail it would, there would be a deluge of rain coming down and, and the first bit of it wouldn't even hit the ground. You would see the steam coming up. It was like turning to steam before it even hit the ground and it would rain anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes, just long enough to make it a sauna. So the rest of the afternoon into the evening, it was like being in a sauna and it was exhausting and it was horrific. And I had prosthetics, foam rubber prosthetics. Thank God they were foam. It would have been really fun with silicone that doesn't breathe, uh, and and uh, you know blood, lots of blood on uh, on foam, and um, so my paint went through a, a little bit of a change because, you know, I on, on my day off I I went back and, and and started adding some things and tweaking with it and like racking my brains because. Um, it, it was coming off. I mean, like everything was coming off, you know, and you know you it wasn't like an act you know in a wheelchair playing a year old man it was bred with like a broken nose and wounds and all sorts of things and a belly piece you never see uh, uh from this scene where he gets stabbed in the belly with a broken piece of glass and uh uh so but i still had to put the piece on just in case the shirt came up and you saw it oh god anyway <laughs> oh this is traumatizing <laughs> talking about this um so, but, it, you know, uh, it, it helped me kind of troubleshoot some problems firsthand, not over the phone with someone or, you know, uh, through a letter, you know, uh, pre-email days. Um, and, and and so my friends heard about this in Australia and 
And, and, you know, they gave me rave reviews, you know, and, and I was shipping, you know, bottles of it down. Um, another big accomplishment was um, my friends in Australia who had been using my products for forever and doing tattoo cover with it and everything else. Uh, they ended up um, uh, on Lord of the Rings. And um, I remember getting a call about, you know, possibly going down and working, you know, for three years there. And, and I was already um, committed to the, the Grinch who stole Christmas here um, in California. And, um, but they, they wanted my paint. And so I sent a bunch of that down and, and, oh, speaking of painters, one of the most amazing painters, uh, is, is Gino Acevedo and, Uh and he, his work, wow. Like his work is just, you know, looking at it up close and personal and real life will destroy you because it's just so perfect. And, and he has such a finesse, you know, and he's another one who, he he has his his mediums like down like he he knows what's appropriate for what he's doing and he mixes mediums and you know and he goes in and we'll use a brush and 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 we'll use an airbrush and we'll you know go in and whatever works to get the end result is you know he's he's amazing and um his airbrush work is just mind-blowing and uh but anyway yeah i would i would highly recommend checking his stuff out and and he's one of those artists you've probably seen his work a, a million times and had no idea it was him and and he's just a brilliant brilliant artist um anyway so uh um but anyway that that's my paint story and um and and here i am and the brushes um you know uh, essentially it's from years of tweaking and and doing weird things you know with razors and scissors to to expensive beauty brushes and art brushes and um them falling apart um i i i you know can't tell you how many like expensive brushes that I've ruined by using effects products. And, uh, um, I approached several brush companies a few, you know, several years ago and, uh, you know, several of them just kind of were like, eh, eh, you know, and then Edward was like, you know, that's a really great idea. And I had a meeting with him and I came in with, you know, my brushes and, and, um, said, you know, any way of doing these, any way of doing them, you know, so they don't fall apart. And, you know, he troubleshot it and, you know, he came up with materials and, you know, different fibers and, you know, the, um, and then, then I, you know, got like the raw test, um, samples back. And, you know, I told him, you know, they're not just designed, you know, for like effects makeup, but like lab work. Some of the brushes are, you know, for sculpting. And, and it's funny because now I'm finding beauty makeup artists using them for beauty makeup i'm like i love the idea that these things come around because you had things you weren't happy with you were trying to get you know you noticed the packs was too wrinkly or that this brush wasn't working and so you kind of fix the problem and use it for years and then that becomes what drives you to make it as a thing so it's already road tested by the time you know it comes to market this isn't just like you know oh, how can we cash in on this because you see a lot of things that are just knocked out quickly and they're not fit for purpose um, you know, right. I saw recently like a like a, a thing that goes on your wrist that you clip brushes to. And oh. I was like, that, that, that's just I don't I, I, it just doesn't seem practical to me. You know, the minute you flex your hand up and touch it, then then you know whatever it is. Whereas this is like this is row tested way before. I love the idea of that. That you know, this is they're, they're manifestations of something you've been doing for a long time. And it's like so many things that we use; they've all manifested themselves out of out of some necessity that didn't exist before. Right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, when you look at, you know, different things in the real world and, and you know, out, outside the makeup world, 
you know, um, when you think of some of those Ronco devices and stuff, it's like somebody was sitting there going, you know, this would really be great. Or, you know, like, you know, Popeil like, pocket fisherman. Yes, exactly. You know, you never, you never know when that might come in handy <laughs> or where, uh, but, <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, you're sitting there and, you know, um, doing stuff. I remember the first time I saw somebody take toupee tape and stick it on the back of their box of tissues and stick, stick it on the, the mirror in front of them at work. And I'm like, bloody hell. You know, I'm like, that's wow. Yeah. That's the dog's bollocks. <laughs> anyway, it is amazing. And, and so now guess what? Every time I go and set up, I, I do that and I slap it on the mirror. I've had people look at me like, you're crazy. What the hell are you doing? And I'm, yeah, but and, look how much footprint you got back. You know, that's a big box, isn't it? Yeah. And um, off the floor. And it's also hand reachable. It's like it's it's in a it's in an ergonomic spot because instead of reaching down and it's a loose box that could quite possibly knock over, you know, an $80 bottle of uh, telesis or whatever. Um, uh, a cup of coffee on your, you know, uh, uh, flash cube, uh, from, you know, makeup forever or, you know, what, what have you on your station, <laughs> you know, it's out of the way. It's, it's stuck to a mirror. It's right there. Yeah. Convenient. I'm stealing that. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent. I want to see pictures. <laughs> okay. It was like, you know, the first time a cave person made fire, I, I had that, that moment of like, oh, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, but um, yeah, I think that's the thing about, you know, um, our, our, uh, our lives in general is if, if we find something that works, you know, like, you know, this is what you do, you know, you, you ad adapt that, make it part of what you do, your routine. And this is, you know, it, it goes back to painting and, and anything else that you do, like, you know, you find that doing this movement, you know, left to right works better than right down up back over you know it's like you no, paint with both hands can you yes. paint with either hand and i think yes. that's because you know, yep. you're talking about that you know left to right right to left depending on where you might have have to be doing this this painting you know sometimes you don't have the ability to get in your most optimal painting position and you've got to reach around and do it with a hand that wouldn't be your dominant hand but it has to look just as good as if you'd done it the way you normally would in in ideal circumstances right yeah, that see, sense? I, I, um, yeah, I, I mean, I sculpt with both hands, and um, I, I remember I, when I was teaching um, hair tying, which you know is, you know, I'm doing right now. Um, I, I had a, a left-handed student who was like, I can't do this, I can't do this, and on the spot, I'd never done it before. I was like, oh, well, here, this is what you do, and and I put the, the needle in my left hand and the hair in, in my right hand. And I, I actually tied it. <laughs> and afterwards I was like, man, that was good. <laughs> but it's because <laughs> I use both hands, you know, and you, it's weird. Like you'll see people using you know, um, their, their, uh, their keypads and stuff like, like uh, playing video games. It's like you're, you're independently, you know, there's no excuse not to, you know, <laughs> somebody says they can't, I, I can't, I can't stand, can't. <laughs> There's, <laughs> it reminds me of a, a Catherine Tate sketch uh, about there's no such thing as a can't. 
<laughs> anyway, I beg to differ. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> oh gosh. But, um, anyway, uh, this is how we get the explicit rating on iTunes. You see? Oh really? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Oh, I'm an adult. <laughs> I use adult language. <laughs> Quite so. Uh, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, man. Situations to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I, I results may be profanity. <laughs> yeah, you know it's 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 really odd because I think the days of thinking that you know little Joey and Susie have never heard a four letter word. You know, um, you know it's it's not 1953. It's it's 2016 where you know the the, the lyrics and you know the music that you know kids are listening to are far more explicit explicit and uh, you know than than my daily conversations. It's true. It's true. I think well, a lot of people don't told me that my first it. word was shit. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I love that. I wish I had something that you know cool. I I don't. I don't even think my parents remember like my first word, but anyway. <laughs> I think I think it's true that I mean, I mean, I, 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 some I got two kids, and it's the same. Like the first time they ever swear or they hear swearing, and they're gonna learn it at school and stuff like that. And you kind of tear yourself up in knots, but it's true. There was they'll, a, there never, was, um, they'll never hear it in your house. I know that they'll never hear it in my house. No, it's surprisingly <laughs> good, but they they, they 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 will hear it from other people as well. You know, it's just not you can't stop it from happening, especially nowadays. But yeah. um, it's the it's the fact is that they learn when to use it, when to not to. I mean, if they stub their toe. They will, but so will I. But I, I also know how to put a brick through a window, but I don't go around doing that because I'm able to measure <laughs> my knowledge of that information with that's also the wrong thing to do. So it's kind of more like just kind of teaching them what, you know, okay, you know the word, but that doesn't mean you have to say it. Right. And, uh, like that. So, uh, Think it as often yeah, as you'd like. Yeah, exactly. Just don't say it me, you little shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say that, obviously. I'm saying that for a fact. <laughs> Take my point. Cool. Thank you, Thomas. God, I don't know what to say. Uh, Thank you so much. Oh, boy. I just stabbed myself. <laughs> oh, shit. There we go. Yeah. That's the button right well, there. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, it could have been worse. It was my belly. Um, needle fell out of my hand and landed in my belly. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's gonna It's going to be a really good wig now. I, I noticed every time, like, I injure myself with the needle. <laughs> it, it, Has it come out? Is it one of the barbed ones from, like, last person? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it came out, and, and um, I, I, I've got to investigate that now. But it was near my crotch, so belly over crotch any day. Please, I'm pleased you didn't uh, perforate the feathers. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <That's right. laughs> thank you mate <laughs> anyway <laughs> oh god uh, so yeah now now I've got a I'm not even bleeding oh my god I'm dead <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a red mark there okay alright well I'm going to go address that and, and um, administer a tetanus shot or something uh, no worries it's yeah. an amazing diet all the platelets have come together they know exactly what to do they've rehearsed exactly. it loads of times <laughs> Good to go. Yes. He's, he's not in a wig. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. Talk to you soon, him. man. All right. All right, we'll talk to you. Bye. Magic. Thank you okay. very much. Take care, fella. Thank you. Bye. 
Okay, so once again, if you have any questions or comments on the blog, you can always send us an email to stuartandtodd at gmail.com, where we'll take a lot of problem-solving questions, or hit us up on the Facebook page. Just look us up under Battles with Bits of Rubber. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Paint today sucks because there's no lead in it. That was just rude. <laughs>